This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Naomi Shaven. Welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Thursday, December 16th, and we're focused on NFTs, the latest craze in crypto. For the last few podcast episodes of this year, I'm hosting conversations with my Axios colleagues about the biggest stories they covered this year and what they're watching heading into 2022. Joining me today is Felix Salmon, senior financial correspondent, author of the Axios Capital Newsletter, and frequent fill-in host of this show. There were a bunch of trends on Wall Street, in finance, and in cryptocurrencies that we could have picked to talk about in this conversation. And Felix, as you know, is insightful and wickedly entertaining on all of these topics, which didn't make it any easier. But there's one technology, a blockchain innovation, that made its mark this year that we couldn't ignore. Non-fungible tokens. In March, the artist known as Beeple sold an NFT at a Christie's auction for an astonishing $69 million. After that, you couldn't get away with not knowing what an NFT was. In a moment, I'll be joined by Felix to discuss why NFTs are here to stay and what that tells us about how we think about online community, collectibles, assets, and art. I'm joined now by my colleague, Felix Salmon, who's our chief financial correspondent and the author of the Axios Capital Newsletter. Hi, Felix. Hi, Naomi. So let's start here. How would you define NFTs? They are little tokens which tell the world that you own a certain digital file. Anyone can look at it, anyone can examine it, but only one person can own it, and that's the person who owns the NFT. Let's imagine you're writing a piece about blockchain and cryptocurrencies and NFTs in 2021, what would your headline be? Is this the year that NFTs went mainstream? It's definitely the year that NFTs became a household name. If you talked about NFTs in 2020, most people wouldn't know what you were talking about. If you talked about NFTs in 2021, most people wouldn't know what you were talking about, but more people would know what you were talking about. And a lot of people would think that they knew what you were talking about, even if they didn't. NFTs are very complicated and weird things, but they have entered the public imagination this year for sure. Hopefully by the end of this episode, everybody will know very confidently what they are. What do you think happened between 2020 and 2021 to get us to this point? So a few things happened. One of them was NBA Top Shot which were little clips of basketball games which started getting traded online and there was a big sort of community that built up around them. Um, another one was CryptoPunks. They've been around for a little while. They really took off this year. I think one of the main things that happened was that early on in the year we had a single NFT being sold at Christie's for $69 million, which was a crazy sum. So that really caught the attention of the general public. And then more recently, we've had these bored apes have really taken off and various other communities as well, like pudgy penguins and rocks and loot 
and stuff like that. So a bunch of these different communities have taken off where people buy an NFT and then they use that picture as their Twitter avatar and they go to real life meetups. And I think that's really one of the reasons why NFTs took off in 2021 is because the people creating the NFTs and the platforms where they trade really managed to work out how to build a community around them. When you say build a community, do you feel like NFTs at this point are accessible to regular people, not just in terms of understanding them, but actually buying them and owning NFTs? Oh, absolutely not. Nowhere near. Like, you need to download MetaMask wallets and Chrome extensions, and it's still very difficult to buy an NFT. There are certain NFTs, again, going back to the NBA Top Shots, which are a little bit easier and you can just sort of type in a credit card number. But for most of the most popular NFTs and the ones that engender all of the headlines and the really valuable ones, no, they're not really accessible yet. Do you think NFTs have changed how museums and auction houses are actually thinking about art? Museums and auction houses have always thought about art in very different ways. Museums have thought about art in terms of building up a permanent collection of beautiful, important objects, and that hasn't changed. Auction houses have always just been about selling collectors whatever it is they want to collect. And a bunch of collectors now want to collect these things called NFTs. And so the auction houses have been more than happy to say, well, you want to buy NFTs? Here's some NFTs. We will auction off NFTs. So NFTs have been added to the long list of other collectibles that auction houses sell, along with art and wine and watches and jewelry and cars and you name it. Do you think that in a way NFTs underscore the thinking that art can be viewed as a fluctuating asset class, so something that rich people invest in to diversify their portfolio, obviously not as volatile as Bitcoin, but an asset class nonetheless? So art has been considered an asset class, a kind of subpar asset class for some time. And every so often you'll find people saying it's outperformed the S&P 500, which it totally hasn't. So NFTs are definitely the most speculative end of the art world. I would add, and this is very, very important, that the overwhelming majority of NFTs are not art. And that when you say that artists are embracing NFTs, like, yeah, kind of not really. If you think of like the biggest name artists in the world, there are one or two of them who have done NFTs, but the vast majority of them have not. And while there are certainly artists out there who are making NFTs and selling NFTs, most artists aren't. And conversely, most of the NFTs out there are not what most people would consider to be art, right? If you look at a picture of a rock or a bored ape or even an NBA top shot, none, no one really considers that to be art. So there's, the NFT world is much bigger than the art NFT world. I'm curious, do you think the NFT market is actually saturated in a way because some of these just aren't that valuable? It's a little bit like everything in crypto is that it comes in sort of hype waves. And we've already seen like two or three hype waves in NFTs already. I'm sure there will be many more. There will be peaks, there will be troughs, there will be a lot of projects which go to zero. I would say the overwhelming majority will go to zero, but that doesn't mean the entire asset class has been indicted somehow. I think that there will always be some hot NFTs and there will always be a much larger number of what you might call cold NFTs. And that's just going to be the way they work. They don't have any intrinsic value, right? So it's just a function of how much you want to belong to a certain community, really. Were there other big trends or hype moments in the larger crypto world 
in the past year that really fascinated you? I think Solana is probably the big one. Um, entering the year, there were two big coins that people thought of when they thought of crypto. One is Bitcoin and the other is Ethereum. And now as we get to the end of 2021, Solana is really making a sort of play at Ethereum and they're saying we can do everything that Ethereum can, but with less negative effects on the planet and more efficiency and lower gas fees and that kind of thing. You know, it remains to be seen whether it has staying power, but Solana, I would say, is is probably one of the bigger developments of 2021. There were a bunch of regulatory developments as well. And then, you know, we have to mention Dogecoin. That happened. When you say that happened, what happened? Do we really need to talk about Dogecoin? Dogecoin, it's a joke coin that was issued as a joke, and then it suddenly soared in value because 2021 was the age of meme investing. And if AMC stock can go up, then so can Dogecoin. It went up, it went down. You brought up about cryptocurrencies being really energy inefficient. Anything that involves blockchain technology is energy inefficient inherently. Uh, th that's not true. There are definitely blockchains that are not. And people are putting a lot of effort and work into building out more and more blockchains that don't require burning up the planet. But certainly the main two, Bitcoin and Ethereum, are burning up the planet for sure. So that's exactly where I was going with this. Looking ahead to next year, do you think that that's going to be a trend that we should keep an eye on is cryptocurrencies that don't burn up the planet? So in 2022, if all goes according to plan, Ethereum is going to move from what's known as proof of work to proof of stake. And if and when that happens, its carbon footprint is going to shrink dramatically. And that will be a massive improvement on where we are now. There's very little indication that Bitcoin is going to do anything like that. So Bitcoin is still going to be terrible for the planet. But at least in the top two coins, we'll have one of them be slightly more planet friendly. Do you have any other thoughts about what you're going to be watching next year? Or any predictions for 2022? Well, one of the things we're really waiting on is a big Federal Reserve report on central bank digital currencies. We are seeing India and China talking very seriously about issuing their own digital currencies. Eventually, it seems inevitable that all central banks are going to do that. It's going to be very interesting to see whether the central bank official currencies are embraced by the crypto world or whether they're considered to be just, you know, part of the fiat currency world that they all claim to hate. Felix Salmon, who's our chief financial correspondent and the author of the Axios Capital Newsletter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Naomi. Welcome back. I wanted to share one note about the show just in case you've missed it. Axios Recap will be ending after this month. But don't worry, we have you covered. Axios Today, our daily morning news show, is the best place to get caught up on the day's biggest stories. You'll hear great interviews between host Nyla Boudou and our reporters and editors like Felix Salmon. You might have already noticed that we've been dropping episodes of Axios Today in this feed, and we'll share another one tomorrow morning. We'd love to know what you think, and we really hope that you subscribe. And I just want to say, thank you all for listening over the last few years. It's been so wonderful getting to know the Axios Recap community. We appreciate that you've made us a part of your day and followed us on this journey. It's been a great run, and we're excited to bring you the news you need to know and new stories in new ways in 2022. That's all from me. I'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.